guys. How are you guys doing today? It is an honor. I feel like there's like, as a preacher or a minister, there's like two sermons that are coveted. It's like Christmas and Easter. You know what I mean? Because they're like, everyone's there. You get the families. Uh, but it's also, I love Christmas. Um, I grew up in a fairly volatile home, and Christmas was the peaceful time. Like, Christmas was the time when everyone was on their best behavior. The children were on their best behaviors because they wanted presents. The adults were on their best behaviors because grandma would slap anyone who wasn't. Uh, um, and that, that peace was within our household. Um, and gifts were around. We went overboard. We were very much the family that January we were paying for what we spent in December. Um, and mom was yelling about, I just bought you this. That was our house. Um, but I, I've always loved Christmas for the wrong reasons as a child. As I've gotten older, as I've been a disciple, disciple, English, um, I've come to love it for a completely different reason. Um, and that's the hope that was brought into the world on this day. It, it blows me away. I think Christmas is simultaneously one of the most significant events in history and one of the most commercialized days in our calendar here. Um, and my hope today is to help to go back to some of the significance of this day, um, to some of the hope that was given um, specifically to a little shepherd boy. Um, probably not a boy. He was probably a man. We have a video. He's a man in the video, so we're going to go with man. Um, but um, we're going to pick up reading in Luke 2, starting in verse 8. Give me one second. I'm very excited that the back of my phone is magnetized because it just sits on the top like this. It's really nice. Starting in verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels, with the angel, praising the Lord and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. This sounds awesome, right? But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I try to put myself into the shepherd's shoes and I try to figure out why they were terrified, I can understand how this would have been a little bit scary. So take a second to imagine that night from the, from the feet of the shepherd. You pick the short straw. You got the night shift. You're out when you probably don't want to be out. The whole reason for a shepherd is to protect the flock and to guide the flock. It's probably a lot more likely that animals are going to attack the cattle at night. You're pretty vigilant. You're watching. 
trying to see in the dark. They did not have flashlights back then. You could not just click a button on your phone and have light. It's not the reality of the situation. You had a torch that probably gave you about five feet of light. Um, that was your reality. Um, and your job is to protect this cattle that you probably don't own. It probably stinks. Cattle are not known to be the most hygienic of creatures. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a farm. It doesn't smell good. <laughs> um, and it's probably scary. And suddenly, there's this huge light in the sky. Um, if you guys are fans of The Chosen, I don't know if you guys know, but The Chosen actually started through a really awesome Christmas special. And I have a clip from that that I want to share with you guys that I think gives a really awesome visual um, to this situation. They're talking about the Romans again. But they've cooked it right in front of me. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky you're not part of this conversation about Romans again and again. Expect them to pay. Good pay. They take, they take whatever they want. Let's talk about something else.
himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. We must tell someone. We must tell everyone. We must tell everyone. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We waited for this for so long. So long. He's on. He's on. He's on. He's on. Oh, it's okay. you guys that video gives me chills and tears and all those fun things every single time I watch it um it wasn't a pretty night <laughs> I think we talk about the silent night and the holy night and we look at our little nativity scenes and we often picture it as this clean fun environment but it's probably pretty gross um, 
I love that video because it shows all of it. Um, but what a moment. I can only imagine what would have been going through that shepherd's mind. Um, I've kind of, as I sat and I thought about this this week, I kind of whittled it down to three things that probably would have stayed with him. It took a while to do that, if I'm perfectly honest, because the Messiah's born. Um, but I imagine the first thing that would have went through his mind is this is not what I expected. Um, first of all, why are these angels appearing to me? Like, I'm a shepherd in the middle of the night. Like, I have zero credibility in this society. Like, they're, like no one else is going to see this. No one can corroborate my story except for other shepherds in the middle of the night. <laughs> Why is this the way that the long-promised king and hero is coming into this world? In a manger? With goats right there? Like, wrapped in swaddling cloths, sleeping in a, a food trough? That doesn't make any sense to me. So the thing you have to understand is for most Jews, first of all, a lot of the prophecies surrounding the Messiah paints him as this majestic, powerful, incredible figure. And we all know now that Jesus is majestic and he is powerful, but we also are vastly aware that he came, that he goes about that power in a very different way than this world considers power. The other thing that you have to think about is that it's hundreds of years after this prophecy at this point that has been passed on by word of mouth from family to family. There's a lot of hyperbolizing happening within the Jewish community around this messianic figure. And we have the scriptures, and when you go back to them and you look at the scriptures in Isaiah, you can see nothing desirable about him, humble, all these different things. They didn't love those passages when they talked about the Messiah. Um, they didn't really paint the Roman destroying figure that they really wanted to think about. If you notice at the beginning of that video, the shepherds are complaining about the Romans. Like, they're like, uh, we have to deal with this. The Jews had been under, had not been at peace for hundreds of years at this point. They had been scattered. They had been downtrodden. And honestly, before that, it wasn't much better. Also, Bethlehem was a very poor city. Like, very poor. Um, most of the residents would have lived in caves that had modified to be homes. Um, it wasn't like a fertile land, so it wasn't an agriculturally rich place. It wasn't a big trade city. It would like the thought that the king of the Jews would choose, that God would choose for him to be born into this city would have been a little shocking. I imagine that if it was me, there would have been a couple thoughts that went through my brain. Like, did I fall asleep? Am I dreaming? No, the other people are running too. Okay, heard. Um, is this real? Those look pretty real. Those are angels. We don't have great effects at this point in time, so it can't be fake. No projectors right now. Okay. So this has to be real. 
I also very much imagine that he would have done exactly what he did in that video, which is run for Bethlehem, because I need some form of confirmation on this story. Next thing that I think probably would have been going through his mind. Did they say the Christ? They had been waiting for this Messiah. And whether or not he knew that this Messiah was going to die, be resurrected, and redeem the entire world, that this meant a very different way of life for the Jews if they were to follow him. This meant that the Jews were no longer going to be the chosen people. Whether or not he knew that at that moment, he knew what it meant that the Messiah had come. The promises surrounding the Messiah are incredible. He was a redeemer. He was a savior. He would bring truth into this world. He'd bring light into this world. Hope would be built on him. He would give legacy to the eunuch and place for all within the kingdom of God. He would bring peace. But that angel said he was a savior for me. In verse 11, the angel says, Today in the city of David, a savior is born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. What an equalizing statement to say to this shepherd. In this society, once again, very different from our society, Giving perspective, the dignitaries would have been notified first, and then that would have trickled down. But this angel made a very distinct decision to appear to the shepherds. God sent a messenger to the shepherds, the poorest of people, with the exception of those who, didn't, who couldn't work. There is a painting, I was hoping to have a slide of it, but I did not think of it in time. But if you want to see it, you can go to Carnegie Museum. It's in the art exhibit there. It's called The King and the Shepherd. It's painted in 1888. And it displays two angels, walking with a, one walking with the king and one walking with the shepherd. And when you read the description next to it in Carnegie Museum, the artist says that he was trying to capture the equalizing nature of that moment. That both three kings and shepherds were brought before the child. That this was a moment from the beginning of Christ's life, he did exactly what he had meant to do, which was to equalize all men before God. That there were those who were pleasing to God, and that there were those who were not. And those were the only two things that mattered. It's a powerful moment. For me, personally, I've spent a lot of my life on the outskirts of society. I'm not a neurotypical person. I have 
multiple mental disorders that plague me. In school, I was very annoying to my teachers, I imagine, um, as a child with ADHD and undiagnosed autism. It was a fun day for my teachers. I was adopted into a family where I did not look like the other members of my family. <laughs> I'm a person of color, which comes with its own stand, which comes with its own stereotypes, and I also um, come from an LGBT background, which you guys have heard me talk about before, so I'm not going to go into today. But all of these things have very much made me feel like an outsider. And so one of the most beautiful things about Christ, about his birth, about what he did while he was here on this earth, is that it wasn't about any of those things, but about the choices I made in regards to my relationship with him that equalized my place before him. That wealth, st um, birthplace in society, color of skin, none of those things mattered anymore. But what mattered is the choices that I made in regards to my Savior and my relationship with him. And that brings me to my next point. In verse 14, when the heavenly host joined the angel in the sky, they sing a song. And I think it sounds a little different than I think we normally paint it. In verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. to the people, peace on earth, to the people he favors. Other translation says, peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. Um, but there's this very clear stipulation here. I think we often at Christmas time, you see peace on earth everywhere, joy to the world, we just sang that. All the, we have all these concepts. But the reality of the situation is, yes, Jesus did offer peace to everyone but that there was a stipulation that came along with that. It was available to everyone. Every single person had this option for this peace, for this joy, for this excitement, for this hope, for this connection that was birthed into the world when this baby came in. And the beauty of it is that he was born into this world to show us how to get this peace and how to get this joy is that he came, he lived on this earth for 33 years. That's honestly, I don't want to be here, I'm 30. We're at, we got three more years before I've even been here as long as he was. So that's a statement in itself. But he came to show us the way. He was the way. And he offered all these things, but it came with the stipulation that we would follow in those steps. that the peace on earth would be found amongst men with whom he is pleased. It feels very similar to John's warnings in Matthew 3.2, or Jesus in Matthew 4.17, when they sing out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, at, is close at hand. It, it sounds harsh, but the reality of the situation is they're saying there's an opportunity here for you <laughs> to participate in something really incredible. And 
I don't want you to miss it. It's, they're saying, hey, this is here now. Let's talk about this. Because if this passes you, and Jesus, this is throughout Jesus' ministry, when he's talking about the virgins, when he's talking about the man building the tower, when he's talking about the house built, built on the stone in the sand, it's throughout it all is this concept of this is available to you, but there are some choices you have to make to participate. It's an awesome gift. Um, my campus minister had this illustration that he loved. His name was Tom McGurk. Some of you probably know him. Um, but he loved this illustration, and it's the, the, the ATM illustration. You've probably heard it before. Someone gives you $3 billion, says, hey, $3 billion, here's a card. Go to this ATM, put this pin in, and you can take that money out. And you decide, I'm going to go to that ATM, and I'm going to put a different pin in, and then you come back to them angry because you didn't get your money. They're going to look at you crazy. <laughs> the gift was given. You didn't participate. I think the beauty of Christmas is the opportunity that was given on this night. It's the beginning of the story. The world was changed that night in more ways than just the way we record the date or even the songs that we sing. But there was an opportunity to, to participate in eternity that was offered to the world starting on this night. And it started with a shepherd. It started with one of the most humble, outcast members of society being pulled in to this beautiful story. It was personal. It was intentional. It was life-changing. And I think the final thing that would have went through this shepherd's mind is exactly what he said to Mary at the end of that video. Everyone must know. Christmas is my favorite time to share my faith. I don't know about you guys. Everyone's already talking about it. It's an easy time to do it. We're saying Christ all the time. Merry Christmas. Christ is right there in the word. Um, it's, it's like Easter. Easter and Christmas, you can share your faith, and you can pretty much get away with it. No trouble. Like, it's like, it's, it's, there's no, like, people expect it. They're ready for it. If they're going to say no, they're going to say no. Most of them are already thinking about where they're going to go to church that Sunday. This year, though, as I've thought about this, as I've had conversations with my coworkers about this, I've had a very different heart about it than that. It's not this guilt-free, free pass, but it's been this, how dare I not talk about this event? How dare I not share this opportunity with other people? Everyone must know. Um... I've been blown away by this. As I've focused on this, as I've meditated on this, honestly, I, when James first talked to me, I didn't want to do a Christmas sermon. Uh, but it's been incredible for my heart. It's been incredible to refocus on the humility of this moment, but also the inclusiveness of this moment. And it's been incredible to view it from the eyes of the shepherd. Because the reality of the situation is that Jesus wanted to pull everyone in. 
Um, I'm going to invite the singers back up for a final song. Um, <laughs>